right. Uh, good morning. Welcome to the Equip Hour. Um, those of you in this room know me, but the people on the internet don't know my voice. So my name is Kyle. I'm the Director of Student Ministries here at the Village Church. Um, and today we are in our Hot Topic series on pornography. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of um, where we're going, um, we're going to wrap up the group discussion here with a brief introduction, and then we're going to talk briefly through navigating the disaster and then talk through a case study and Q&A. So we're right now in the group discussion. I just want to walk through a couple of these questions, and then we'll um, revisit some later. But um, So let's look at the true or false. True or false, pornography is a specifically male problem. No female struggles with pornography. Raise your hand for true, please. Uh, no, no hand raise. Everybody hands, hands raise for false, then, please, just for the show. Good. Okay, we're on the same page on there. Um, pornogra- uh, pornography is a solely spiritual issue, tr- solely to be remedied by spiritual aid, prayer, fasting, and reading of scriptures. True or false? Proof. This is testing some of you and your views on biblical counseling. This is what this is. Okay. False. Everybody, again, raises their hand. Well, yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Um, true or false? Sex is the number one searched for topic on the internet. It's actually true. Um, true or false? Regular use of or addiction to pornography and clinical depression go hand in hand. True or false? True. It's true. A lot of times people who are classified actual porn addicts are really struggling with clinical depression. Um, This numbers game, before we really jump into some of them, I do want to read a few more statistics to you just because I think it's fascinating. This is an infographic I found online. Um, It's called America is Addicted to Porn. Uh, Every 30 minutes, a porn film is made in the United States, and every second, 30,000 people are viewing porn. Um, the USA produces 89% of all pornographic web pages, and 47, 42.7% of internet users view porn. That's 102,434,567 people. Um, there are 68 million daily pornographic search engine requests, um, and the average internet user receives 4.5 pornographic emails every day. If you're not receiving them, it's because you have an excellent filter through Gmail, probably. Um, that was my response. Was I don't know what internet provider they're using. Um, 70% of the internet traffic occurs during the 9 to 5 work day. So 70% of the internet traffic occurs during 9 to 5, and almost all internet searches are happening then during the 9 to 5 hours. So then let's get into some of the statistics that we broke into. Um, The average age when a child is exposed to pornography is, anybody just yell it out? 10? 11? 11 is the correct answer. Um, Although I think that's high, and it also depends on what your definition of pornography is. Um, It depends on, William Struthers in a book that we talk about really kind of says, well, pretty much all, a vast majority of media is on some level pornography based, so it depends on how you define. Blank percent of women say they struggle with pornography addiction. Anybody? 17. And I think that that number's low, but... um, Blank percent of divorce cases involved one person having obsessive interest in porn. 56, very good. 56, very good. Uh, this, is two, this is how many thousands of Americans are classified as porn addicts is actually the core. I, anybody on that one? How many thousands? It is 200,000 um, that are classified as porn addicts, and a porn addict is defined as spending 11 hours or more per week online. 11 hours per week online. And then lastly, out of 100 people who visit porn sites, blank are male and blank are female. Anybody? 70-30. Yeah, 70-28. 72-28. What I'm trying to do in this numbers game um, is kind of give you a vast idea about um, 
just the pervasiveness of pornography, which is which leads us into our introduction. We'll talk about the Situation Room there at the bottom later. Um, the first question is why we're here. And after this class, it's my hope that you will know the insidious nature of pornography, the complexity of the struggle, and ways to help the hurting. What I hope you know is that uh, what I hope you kind of understand is that pornography is a lot more complex than we think it is, and the person struggling with pornography is dealing with it in a lot more fronts. Um, the reason I ask that spiritual question is because we're going to probably spend about ten of our next thirty minutes talking about brain science um, and what pornography does to brains. So um, that's the, complex, the, the insidious nature of pornography, the complexity of the struggle, and ways to help the hurting that are meaningful and deep and thoughtful. I hope none of the ways that we seek to help people struggling with pornography are flippant or trite. Um, so that's why we're here. Why is this a hot topic could become the question. And I, Michael said this yesterday. Why is it a hot topic? It's because so many people are getting burned. I think this is one-liner. Uh, pornography is not a hot topic because it's like, oh, what does the Bible say about that? Like, what is, or it's not a hot topic because it's a matter of Christian freedom and conscience. As some might present, like, as we were kind of considering with gambling last week, some people might go that route with gambling. This is an issue of Christian freedom. This is something that we're not exactly sure what the Bible says about it. Pornography, um, we're actually pretty clear on. So that's not the nature of this being the hot topics. This is a hot topic, again, because everyone is getting burned. It, is an, it has an overwhelming and pervasive influence in contemporary culture. Um, so as we've seen from these statistics, uh, what I hope, and this is our major, major idea today, is that porn is a masterful enemy, but Christ is, Christ is a merciful master. And that is actually at the top of the second page of your handout, and it's going to be at the bottom of it, at the way back, too. Porn is a masterful enemy, and Christ is a merciful master. Um, but I think, and, and just to clear the waters about what pornography is, what pornography isn't, we want to go ahead and dive into that. Pornography is the depiction of erotic behavior, as in pictures or writing, uh, intended to cause sexual excitement. Notice on my handout that I have that as the boring definition. I think this is the engaging definition, even though it's wrong. And this actually comes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, Pornography consists in removing real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of the partners in order to display them deliberately to third parties. It offends against chastity because it perverts the conjugal act, the intimate giving of spouses to each other. It does grave injury to the dignity of its participants, actors, vendors, and the public, since each one becomes an object of base pleasure and illicit profit for others. It immerses all who are involved in the illusion of a few world. It is a grave offense. Civil authorities should prevent the production and distribution of materials. So you don't have to remember a whole paragraph. Let me, I have four principles to sum it up here. Um, first, that pornography is a perversion of true sex. Um, pornography takes that which is true and good and wonderful and perverts it. And I, the way I think of the word perversion is a twist, not so much a breaking as a twisting. So it's taking something good and natural and twisting it. It is taking um, real sexual acts away from the intimacy of partners and displaying them to deliberately to third parties, it says. It is taking something private, making it obnoxiously public. It takes something that is actually supposed to only exist between two spouses and opening it up to for other people to in, be involved in this. It opens it up. And, and actually, you know, is anybody in a pornographic video, are the actors, actresses, so-called, are they married? I don't think so. Um, so pornography is a perversion of true sex. Pornography is false intimacy. A book I'm going to reference a lot today is called um, Wired for Intimacy, How Pornography Hijacks the Male Brain, which is written by a man named William Struthers. He actually teaches in, uh, at the, clinical psych the MA Clinical Psychology Program at Wheaton Graduate School. 
Um, This book, in his book, he talks a lot about how the human brain and the way we are created is for intimacy with one another. So that intimacy and that sex is really the capstone of intimacy that flows out of other forms of intimacy within the marriage relationship. Um, Emotional, spiritual, uh, social. These intimacies grow and grow and grow and like kind of they reach their apex, their climax, I guess, to have almost a double entendre, in, uh, in, in intimacy sexually. And uh, pornography is a false intimacy. And we're going to talk about how that operates behind the person going to look at porn. But pornography takes this thing that's supposed to be intimate and personal and of deep knowing and really kind of just rips it open and actually turns it quite violent. Um, pornography injures all involved. I love This is why I love this definition, because it does highlight the fact that actors, vendors, and the public are being hurt. So let's not just worry about our children, our friends, our spouses, but let's also remember that these are men and women created in the image of God that are essentially being, uh, I think John Piper said they are being gang-raped on, on a video for people to watch and for people's excitement. And these are people, these are women that... Um, you know, we could talk about all sorts of sob stories about why they go this way and why they do this. And there are actual ministries intended for people in this profession. I actually operated with an, a ministry, and I have them on the back of this, called Triple X Church. And they, they are actually rather um, controversial because at porn conventions in Las Vegas and whatnot, they have booths. Uh, they will go to the conventions, and these guys will go and like talk to the women and why are they doing this and what, what is going on. There's also an organization out there called Hookers for Jesus, which is a woman who was a hooker and left that lifestyle and is now kind of starting this ministry to go back and pull women out of it. Pornography injures all people. This is not an, a soul injury, not only to the person who is watching it, who's downloading it, who's clicking the webpage. Also, um, this also injures, injurious, I think is the word, to... Um, the people participating in the sex act. It is also injurious to the vendor as essentially they're selling sex and engaging in that lifestyle. Um, Lastly, pornography creates a fantasy world. A lot of what we're going to talk about um, later on is that pornography can really be used as an escape. It is an aborting from real life into a world where I'm in control, I'm in power, I am loved, I am whatever. um, and, And it's all kind of encapsulated there on my screen for me. Pornography creates a fantasy world that rips uh, actual sex and intimacy and what it is out of really what sex is supposed to be and kind of creates this other thing. And it might even, you know, you never know, it kind of creates false expectations. So that's um, as that's as far as definitions. I, um, in summary, I want you to know that pornography is a sin, period. Um, if somebody would read the Bible and read Matthew 5, 27 and 28, please. So we're all going to know where this is going, but let's read it. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. I hope you brought a Bible because we're going to be doing a lot of sword together today. So make sure you leave it open. Keep it in front of you. We're going to be flipping through a lot of stuff today. Yes, sir. I think that that's it. I mean, that in my mind, that the buck stops there. Um, if you look at a woman, if you are looking at a woman fully clothed with lust in your heart, it is as good as you have already committed adultery with her. Um, if that's the case fully clothed, don't tell me the person looking at pornography that is not using it for lustful intent. Um, bad juju. So pornography is a sin, period. I mean, I'm really not going to, I don't really feel like I have to defend this here. So you can beat me up in the hallway later if you really felt like I needed to. So we're going to move on to navigating the disaster. Here. I want to talk about where we're going to go today. We're going to talk about the complexity of the sin, the plight of the sinner, the magnitude of mercy and bearing another's burdens. So I first want to talk about the complexity of if I could read this quote, I actually think I have it on your handout here. Human sexuality is a topic that concerns far more than just 
stimulation. It includes a sense of intimacy, communication, self-control, self-concept, interpersonal relationships, and gender identity. It involves people struggling with what it means to be male or female, how one relates, to appro- how one relates appropriately to the opposite sex, or how to deal with sexual feelings toward people of one's own gender. This is from Gary Collins' book, Christian Counseling. This book is a yellow, fat volume about this big. If you're dealing with people, if you, like, this would be a book that I, if I had, like, millions of dollars, I would buy for every community group leader. I would buy for every MD because it is like, oh, I don't, I have a student, I have a person in my ministry struggling with this. This compendium volume has everything. You admit. So this is where I, I did some of my research in this, too, this book from Christian Counseling. Um, the complexity of the sin. Let's start. We are each a puzzle. To be human is to be a complex being. To be a human is to be a complex being. The nature of personhood is that we are both material and immaterial beings. We are body and we are mind, soul, spirit, heart. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, body, and he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and man's became a living person. Again, some of you may want to meet me up in the hallway after this and tell me that we are not body, mind, soul, spirit, heart. We are body, mind, spirit. We are body, soul, spirit. We are body, spirit, heart. We are tripart. We are bipart. We are... I'm going to go with the fact that we are um, a multifaceted dichotomy, which means that we have a body and a whole lot of other things going on that are immaterial part, whether it be soul, mind, heart, spirit. Those are not separate words in the Hebrew-Greek mind. Those are basically the same words for the same thing. And so it, it, to talk about the mind, picture a diamond. You're talking about the mind. Turn the diamond, and you see that next facet. There's the heart. Turn the next one. There's the spirit. Turn the next one. See the soul. Turn the next one. See the mind. I mean, it's hard to... Deal with that. And what I want you to understand is that, um, unfortunately, pornography is an enemy of great complexity that can match the complexity of our humanity. Our personhood um, being complex, we have uh, pornography is an enemy that can match the complexity of our personhood and actually attacks all of our humanity. Pornography preys on my body, my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit. This is why, again, this is why I love Gary Collins' quote. It is a lot more about genital stimulation. This is also about questions of personhood and self-concept and how I relate to God. How do I relate to other people? How do I relate to my spouse? How do I relate to people of the same sex? How do I relate to people of the opposite sex? Um, and pornography actually attacks all of these things. And the one I really want to focus in on today is, if I could do this, um, in this moment we're going to talk a lot about the mind and the brain. And at once, we're going to be talking about the immaterial part of our mind and the material part of our mind. We're going to be actually talking about the fit your, your like, brain, that thing inside of your head, and what happens inside of it in pornography. So your brain is porn's number one target, I would say. It has often been said that a human's largest sexual organ is the brain. It is certainly the most complicated, and it is responsible for activities and effects that go far beyond the momentary pleasure of sex. This is from a book called Hooked, um, which is uh, science on how casual sex is affecting our children. Um, this is, believe it or not, this is from Moody Press, the name you can trust, under their code name Northfield Publishing. Um, it's actually a wonderful book. I had to read it for um, a class last semester and really did enjoy reading it. It's very accessible, so a lot of my research is coming from this book called Wired for Embassy. So I want to talk about three muscles your brain, uh, dopamine, your neurons, and neuroplasticity. And believe it or not, you too can be a neuroscience a scientist after today. So just walk with me, and it's going to be a lot more accessible than it sounds. Let's talk about dopamine. I have definitions down here too. Dopamine is the messenger chemical which makes a person feel good when he or she does something exciting or rewarding. 
the official term for what dopamine does is a it's a reward signal. That is, when we do something exciting, dopamine rewards us by flooding our brains and making the blood cells produce a feeling of excitement or well-being. Michael just said to me, every time I walk into the 601, I still get a rush of dopamine by how cool this room is and how well it works and how all these things kind of came together. Dopamine is what rushes into your brain. Uh, what rushed into my brain last night when I had Graham's ice cream in downtown Wheaton and it was wonderful. Um, dopamine is what rushed through our bodies as uh, the staff and the fuelings and I were marching through the Morton Arboretum, 3.95 miles. Here we go. Um, and um, it is what dopamine is constantly rushing into your brain. And dopamine is actually what tra eventually trains your brain to feel good. Like, if a, a totally atheistic scientist would say it's dopamine that's why we eat. Like, if we didn't have dopamine, like, we wouldn't eat because we, like, dopamine fills our, fills our brains after we eat Thanksgiving dinner. Dopamine fills, uh, fills a married couple after they do their thing. And um, so this is what dopamine does. It is a reward. Dopamine floods, your, dopamine floods the brain after pornography. Um, and what we need to understand is that dopamine's desire is that we repeat pleasurable acts. It wants us to repeat the feel-good behavior. This causes a few problems. One, the desire for the good feeling can overwhelm an accurate calculation of the risk of the pleasurable behavior. Worse, it can cause us not to worry about the risk involved at all. Dopamine is what causes a man to like risk his career. It's what causes a pastor to risk his entire church by, like, say, looking at pornography in the church office. Pornography dupes the brain and totally numbs out the um, the kind of decision-making process of is this good or not? Because all the brain wants is I want dopamine. Period. I don't care what I need to get it. And eventually, it can cause us not to worry about the risk involved at all. Too much dopamine overstimulates the brain and causes the brain to become resistant to it. This causes the individual to seek more of the behavior that produced the good feelings in order to get more dopamine. Dopamine, you can, you can kind of build up a resistance to it. The same way that we build a resistance to maybe a kind of antibiotic or something like that, our brains, hit, we constantly raise a higher level, and when we hit this level, any dopamine up to this point just isn't going to do it. So you need to up the ante and up the ante. And this is the reason why people who struggle with pornography over long periods of time generally start moving their sexual tastes, start moving, if I can use that word, more and more violently because the violence or the, or the oddity of what they're seeing is what releases more dopamine. Um, this is from Hooked. So dopamine is a, is a dangerous thing because it is... Uh, dumbing down risk signals. It is dumbing down. It is. It is what really makes it addictive. This is why um, I would say that there's some likeness between, say, a chemical addiction and pornography, because there is a chemical involved that the brain wants, and that you want. Um, but the next thing I want to talk about is mirror neurons. This is this is probably the scariest thing I ever have read about pornography. Mirror neurons allow the brain to automatically imitate the actions of someone else. So if you see someone smile or lick an ice cream cone or do something X-rated, then your mirror neurons light up as if you yourself were smiling, if you yourself were licking the ice cream cone, or as if you yourself were doing the thing, doing the X-rated thing. This is, and it's actually mirror neurons that uh, light up when someone yawns, because someone yawns and your brain goes, "Oh, I could do that too." Or when someone else smiles, and the reason, like a person, kind of like maybe without knowing it, smiles is because their mirror neurons are lighting up and going, oh, I can do that too. Or in counseling, in counseling we're told that you're taught to not ever sit like this. You're taught to sit, you know, open like this. And that makes this person's body language more open. You know, this is why when, you have a, when you're in the middle of a really, really good conversation, you'll suddenly find 
wow, we're sitting in the exact same position just like this for the last 20 minutes. It's because your mirror neurons are pinging each other's and you're doing what everybody else is doing. Problem. When someone watches pornography, the brain reacts in such a way as if he or she is the one engaged in the sexual act. Viewing a pornographic movie creates a neurological experience whereby a person vicariously participates in what he or she is watching. As someone watches a pornographic movie, he or she can identify with the performance and place him or herself into the HD signal. So this person is watching pornography, and as they are gazing into the screen, their brain is basically teleporting in some weird way into that scene and saying, I can do this too. So that this is why it becomes very dangerous. And, and so this person who watches pornography, it's not this kind of passive act, which is kind of the argument of, say, non-Christians. The argument would be, well, I'm just watching it. It doesn't do anything to me. No, no, not only is your dopamine going off, but you are actually in some weird psychological way participating in what is going on in that, in that video. Um, and then lastly, these two things combine into something that I don't like, which is neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity, um, I have Play-Doh up there. Your brain is not made out of plastic. Your brain is more made out of Play-Doh, um, especially be between, like, ages 1 and, like, 25, and especially between, say, 13 and 22, your brain is rapidly, rapidly changing, developing, molding by everything. Um, this is where all maladaptive disorders come from, generally molded a certain way at a certain age of life. Um, this is why, like, say, when we talk about, um, and I, I've done a lot of reading in childhood development, um, and, like, Say teenagers, the part of their frontal cortex, which is the problem, which is the part of the brain that makes decisions, is not fully functional yet. Why teenagers do stupid things? There's actually a lack of mental capacity in the way that their brain works. As men and women fall deeper in the mental habit of fixating on these images, they, they expose the, the exposure to them creates neural pathways, like a path created in the woods. With each successive hiker, so do the natural paths set the course for the next time an erotic image is viewed. Over time, these neural paths become wider as they are repeatedly traveled with each exposure to pornography. They become the automatic pathway through which interactions with women are routed. What this is saying is that, and, I, and sometimes this, this idea works, I actually like the idea of a river better. Um, you know, it starts as a tiny little stream. And then more and more runoff, erosion, erosion, the stream gets bigger and wider and bigger and wider and bigger and wider, and eventually you end up with the Grand Canyon. As the pattern of arousal and response continues, it deepens the neurological pathway, making a trowel. Each time that an unhealthy sexual pattern is repeated, a neurological, emotional, and spiritual erosion carves out a channel that will eventually develop into a canyon from which there is no escape. What we are talking about is now that... As these deepen, again, pornography just does, it's not like, oh, it doesn't do anything to me. The problem is it does. It creates a canyon that every, with gravity, so that every sexual thought, experience, desire has to pass through that canyon, canyon in your brain. This is why um, we can't just look at a homosexual and say, stop doing what you're doing and be straight right now. Because people that have been living in homosexual lifestyle for a long period of time have canyons in their brain that all of their sexual all of their sexuality only knows how to fly through a channel in their brain that is same-sex oriented. And so the, the helping a homosexual recover um, includes really helping them learn how to make new pathways. And here's the good news, is that your brain is still moldable. So there is a way to dig yourself out of the hole. Um, one of my professors, when we, the professor that had me read this, she um, has a little bit more of a, I don't want to call it, I don't want to label it, bent. But she said, what we need to do, Ben, I'm going to use your head. She said, we need to lay hands on this person's head and pray that God heals their brain in order for this to happen. I mean, that was kind of like her, one of her gut responses to this. Um, shout out to Gina Behrens, if you're listening. Anyway, um, so this is, the, all of these combined, the, you're thinking, so what? 
we cannot treat pornography as a, surely, a purely spiritual issue. There are actual physical makeup things happening in this moment um, that affect the, the makeup of your physical brain, the chemicals of your brain. And yes, do, do spiritual things that we often tell people, this person comes to me and says, I'm struggling with the pornography. You've got to get in the word, dude. You've got to pray. Yes. But we also need to be prepared for the fact that, um, and this is where probably counseling comes in, is that um, we are not just talking about a pray away, whatever, response. It is not a take two verses and call me in the morning. We're talking about a dynamic, effective change in this person's personhood um, and the way their body works so um, that we have to see it as a more comprehensive thing. So any questions at that point after I've just drowned you in science and now we're going to go back into Bible verses, which is something we all really know about, so it'll be okay. Questions, problems, concerns, dilemmas? Yes, Paul. Uh, it, this is where I'm going to get subjective and postmodern. It's only pornography in as much as it causes sexual excitement on some level, but it is also pornographic in, a, in that idea that it's exposing hidden things. To that are, so then it's, and so it's kind of questionable. It's kind of questionable. You're loving all the wrong places, so I'm going to go to pornography. Okay, excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Taught by elders. Yeah. Exposed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Depression, they say, um, oh, depressing. A lot of questions I begin I start going there when you're hurt. You see, they're saying, I need okay, and this is generally meeting God and with other people. That Struthers are. No one ever There's no full choice. There was some choice along the involved, but there were key to them. Illustration for a person into this amazingly looking at it, and it actually. It's destruction. Paul would have um, like this. He says, um, I have discovered that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is mine. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Commentators out there will say that this is Paul speaking on behalf of national Israel. That makes no sense. This is Paul speaking about his inner spiritual life as he's moving from Romans 6 to Romans 8, which is spiritual death to spiritual life. Uh, I have discovered this principle of life, and this is what this person is finding. There is a war waged within them. Um, the ESV or the, the, the NASB, I think it says, a war waged within my members. Um, I've been starting to read the NLT. Again, that's another thing you can beat me up in the hallway for. Um, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You have to understand that the person struggling with pornography is, um, especially I'm talking about Christians now, are probably riddled, riddled, wracked with guilt and shirt. And um, why when we talk in a few minutes about how to help people, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, like this is such an enormous problem. Um, people are really struggling. 
Um, and so what you need to understand is a person who's struggling with porn is trapped in the cage of their own making. And it is kind of like, in my mind, them putting up the bars and nailing it in, and putting up the bar and nailing it in all the way around them for, you know, every time they go on and before they know it, they're trapped. And yet they, again, they want to be there and they don't want to be there. There's a struggle going on of guilt and hate and shame. And honestly, it's that shame. It's a shame cycle that often can lead to be a thank you. Um, so helpful. Um, it is a shame cycle that often continues to push a person into pornography as well. It is a, I did this, I feel guilty, I feel guilty, I need to medicate pornography. I feel guilty, I feel guilty, I feel... So, this is, this is how it works. I want to talk a little bit about the magnitude of mercy. Um, what does the gospel have to... Before we get to a point of, like, how do we apply the gospel to this situation, let's talk about what does the gospel actually have to say. So, what... This is a sword drill. Here we go. Um, what text would you go to? A person comes to you struggling with pornography. They are racked with shame and guilt and um, hurt. And, and you want to do two things. On the one hand, you want to hug them. This is what I always say. I'm always torn between putting my arm around someone and hugging them and saying it's okay and just hitting them square in the face. So how do we, how do, we do both? Maybe you have a verse about hitting them in the face and maybe some of us have verses about hugging them. I think my verses are probably a little bit more hugging verses. But. Go ahead. Excellent. And also a whole chapter of um, in Philippians 4. Exactly. Exactly. Philippians 4, what we should fill our minds with. Anybody else have some ideas? Maybe some verses about grace or mercy or goodness. or no There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1 and 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Other verses. Romans 5, 8. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Um, I think of the end of chapter of Romans 8, um, you know, what shall separate us from the love of God? I think there's a separation anxiety a person with pornography feels like, how could God ever love me? Go ahead. I'd say not, not On some level. Right. Yes. Yeah, I think. Yes. Yes. And I think that's and I think that's a lot of it too is you know when people come and say like well I was on the computer and I felt tempted like why did you not like run screaming from your house you know um, that gets exhausting in its own right I have a friend at Moody who has been struggling with this for a long time and he's just like I'm never in my room with myself because I can't trust myself and I wish you know but and so there's so he's got the fleeing part down the problem is is that there's still some kind of disconnect in his disconnect here between. Yeah, I'm fleeing, and yet this is, you know, and so where is it? And so we're going to talk about um, what it looks like to flesh that out more in the gospel. But that, that's, I, I can't believe I didn't think of that passage. Excellent. I thought of do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I'm given, I think it's hopeful for the, per, as we talk about brain science stuff, that there's a mind renewal process that's happening um, through the spirit. Any any others, maybe? First Corinthians. First Corinthians. He will provide a way out. provide that hope. Yeah, and there, I think that there, again, this is, the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and this is just like, he is accusing an entire generation out of this. John Piper's written, I didn't put it in my bibliography here, a wonderful article called Masturbation and Missions, and it's all about how men and women who are struggling with this, um, they get the call to missions, and then they, the enemy uses the sin in their life, and so they disqualify themselves out of that service. And so it is actually a tool of the enemy to... Um, diminish God's glory and missions and the progress of the gospel globally to have people struggling with this. And I, I was talking with another friend who was struggling with this and I said, what are we gonna what are we gonna look back and say about our generation when we're fifty five or sixty or seventy five when we went as a generation of people that struggled with this? 
Um, I want to talk a little bit about, oh, here we go. The process of sanctification is an addiction to holiness, a compulsive fixation on Christ, and an impulsive pattern of compassion, virtue, and love. This is what we are wired for, and this is what we are meant for. This is from Wired for Intimacy. It's about the last sentence in the book. I just think it's fantastic. Um, An addiction to holiness. Um, I want to talk briefly about ways to help each other. Uh, First, you need to listen lovingly. Confession is not an easy thing, so when someone tells you of their struggle, start out with loving and gracious. Thank you for telling me this. That makes me sad for you. Um, Side note, 1.5. Don't panic. Um, Respond not with panic, but with peace when hearing of porn. Um, Nobody ever wants to hear the, like, (gasps) what? No, oh my God, you know, calm. Keep calm. Go back, like, parents... Go back into your room and then have your panic attack. You know, say, you know, if you need to, suddenly decide that you need to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Work it out for 30 seconds. Come back. Yes, Michael. Particularly if they're confessing. Yes. Uh, Catching them is a little different. Um, That's the point when a kind of righteous anger might not be all that unjustified. Yeah. Yes. And this is why um, peace kindness, goodness. I mean, it cannot, you cannot go wrong with calm in that moment. You cannot go wrong with acceptance. You cannot go wrong with thank you for telling me and then moving into a place of how do we help you. And I'm going to, there's some tools for that. Encourage patiently. After a person has told you this and maybe you form some kind of accountability relationship with them, remember that overnight transformation is rare and that slow change is the norm. Perhaps blue is not the best way to highlight Remember that overnight transformation is rare and slow change is the norm. Calvin talked about sanctification being crawling on bloodied hands and knees. Um, This is why take two verses, call me in the morning is not probably going to work and will disappoint you very quickly. Um, Especially depending on the length of the struggle. Um, Help them eat better. Let me tell you a little story. So, Michael and I are now locked in a competition to lose 10 pounds by the end of September. Um, Jonathan Thomas is in it too. And so... This week, I like totally like have been like, all right, this is my moment. Kyle, you're starting grad school. Like, let us let's just turn over some new leaves. I'm gonna start eating healthy. And then I realize about Sunday when I'm starting to plan out what food I want to eat that I don't know how to really make anything healthy. <laughs> um, I was like, well, I can like cook some chicken and some olive oil again and have another salad like I've already had four times this week. So uh, I iPhone, wonderful, right? Here it is. And so I Googled Friday afternoon, how do, I said, I Googled, I was craving Italian. You got to understand, from in the area of Northeast Ohio I'm from, we have the most restaurant to person capita in the, in the country. There's like, I have grown up on the best family Italian food my whole life. Uh, Bruzies, Alberinis, Leos, you name it. Okay, so I'm like, I need some of this. And so I, proud of myself, made my own pasta sauce on uh, Friday night from scratch, thank you very much, except for these stewed tomatoes that came out of the can. And all the meal was less than 400 calories. All of this illustration is to tell you is that there is a change in spiritual diet going on that is slow and kind of hard and interesting to process. This is a, uh, Struthers talks about um, this kind of slow change. I want to read you a little bit from it, actually. Um, he will talk, and, and, and this change in diet is going to take time as they learn new skills and tools to engage with that. And uh, Struthers says, um, let's back up here, talks about chaining. So he has people that come to him and struggle with pornography, and so what he says is he has them chaining. And he says, chaining is a process that helps men identify their triggers. 
helps them examine how their responses occur in sequence. When someone I am mentoring acts out, I ask them to journal their day in a backwards fashion so that we can look for patterns of maladaptive behavior or distorted thinking. This journaling forces men to stop and seize the moment. Too many men go... My battery's running low. Too many men go through their day at full speed and do not engage in disciplines of contemplation and self-reflection. When a man is forced to slow down and put his thoughts and feelings on paper, he learns the skill of reflection. So he walks through a journal entry of a man named Tom, and it has things like, I, wo- I stayed up late, there was, the new secretary at church was very attractive, we were flirting, my boss was angry at me, I was really upset with how I did this, all of these things. And he journals his day, about 21 points. He comes to realize some of the triggers. Um, a review of this chain yields a number of clear trigger points in Tom's day and the night before which contributed to his problem. The stress from his job, lack of sleep, ritualized pattern of acting out, body awareness, uh, and sexual preoccupation, interest in his coworker were clear to me, but not to him. Tom did not see how they related to each other, but how these small drips throughout his day had become a current of sexual compulsion coursing through his natural thought, the natural trials of his brain. There are, it, really, the struggle with pornography is a constant decision-making process. What we are talking about is not like, it's not this one decision that caused the click, it's the 27 decisions that came before that that made the click. And so just like when you change your diet, you make a lifestyle change as far as your eating habits, it's kind of slow, you start reconfiguring the way that you eat, the way that you buy, the way that you cook, all of these things. Um, One of the best things that we can do is just ask people about, again, halt, are you hurt, angry, lonely, or tired? I mean, what was this decision that you made at noon today that ended up, made you, took you to a bad place at nine o'clock today? What was the bad decision in this thing? How did you not guard your eyes in this moment? How did you not guard your mind in this moment? How did you not do this? And all of these things. Discipleship is not like a, discipleship is a series of small decisions over and over and over again. We take steps, not like pogo stick hops, okay, down up to to heaven. Um, We want to solve problems and not symptoms. Um, Solving symptoms says go home and read your Bible for 24 hours and you'll be fine. Solving symptoms says... um, you know, uh, you need to take your computer and throw it out. Solving symptoms says this. This is the chart I have. I gave it to you. There are offensive and defensive ways to deal with pornography. Um, and most often we are defensive. So, we have, so we'll say, I'm going to spend more time in the prayer and in word. And this is good. And maybe I'm going to join an accountability group. There's going to be a person in my life that I call, that I'm accountable to. But a lot of times accountability groups, at least everyone I've been in, turns into this fest of like, well, I screwed up. I screwed up. Okay, we'll see you next week. Smack each other on the butt and just hope it goes better. Um, one of the major things I think that is really helpful in the defensive, it's not so much turning off the, like, turning off the computer isn't always the most helpful. An internet filter is really good. Covenant Eyes, if you Google that. Covenant Eyes is a filter that runs in the background of your computer and will track every internet search or web page visited and then send those lists to uh, a list of up to three people. You can do it, I think, every week or every other week, maybe, or maybe even once a month. Um, and Covenant Eyes, um, you know, uh, I have it on my computers, and so do all my friends, and we're kind of all in a ring with each other. And um, like I, I when I'm doing Google searches to find images for my prezies, like it pings that. I mean, and they're like Kyle, what's like they'll get. I mean, like they'll get Kyle, what is the bit da 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 da. And I'm like, it was. I promise you, there's nothing going. You know, and so Michael. Yes. Yeah. The iPhone actually has a Covenant Eyes app. If you yes. switch the heart that was, um, here are you. So, <laughs> 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 so that's the one reason I tell somebody who you have an 
Uh, Brian, did you? Sorry, Paul. I'm going to repeat that into the microphone. Uh, on October uh, 6th and 13th, on Thursday evenings during the regularly scheduled student ministry events, we're having internet safety seminars for parents and grandparents and friends. And, um, it is completely free. Um, you can go to www.bcob.org to register. Commercial level. Um, so what we often do is these defensive things, and then we're not surprised that nobody ever takes the offensive. And obviously the counseling thing, that's an offensive attack against pornography. I would say two things. Again, replacement. Um, Paul talks in Thessalonians, I think, maybe another place. Maybe it's Colossians. I don't know. Yes, I did go to Moody Bible Institute. Sorry, professors. Um, that he says, let the person who steals work with his hands. As in to say, this person who took these hands and this energy of stealing, let's take that somewhere else. Go running. Like, learn a better way to cope with whatever you're going through. Go running. Start working out. Start doing these, you know. Don't just, like, you get all the sexual tension. Go find some healthy way to deal with it, please. Um, another thing, if, if pornography is a quest for intimacy, uh, a key here is not only relationships really with the opposite sex, but significant same-sex relationships. And Struthers does a great job. I would encourage every man in this room to buy Wired for Intimacy and read it. I would lend you my copy, but it's on his Kindle. Um, it, it was a really compelling book that I think I read in about two days. Um, and in it, it's, he just talks about, like, men just need to have healthy relationships with other men because intimacy is not just sexual. It's social. It's emotional. I mean, it's other things. And that intimacy is bred not only with members of the opposite sex, but members of the same sex. Um, and if I could just be really honest, this is a rebuke to anybody in this room that's over 40. Um, because people under 40 and my generation excels at significant male friendships and like most people that I see are dads don't. But I don't know very many of you personally and Village Church actually seems to be an odd exception to that generally. But do, you, do, other, do men know you in significant and deep ways? Women, do women know you in significant ways? Probably because that comes more naturally to women than it does to men. Um, so any questions about this? That's my last point. We have about five minutes before I'm supposed to let you go. Oops. Um, let me point we were going to do a case study and we may go there if none of you have questions let me just point out on the back of this the going deeper um, Stephen Arterburn's book Every Young Man's Battle Strategies for Victory in the Real World of Sexual Temptation read it when I was in high school fantastic there's a girl's version Every Young Woman's Battle Guarding Your Mind Heart and Body in a Sex Saturated World Word Word World 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 um, both of these books are fantastic we're actually starting a girl's Bible study tonight on uh Young woman, every young woman's battle, but there's also preparing your daughter for every young woman's battle, preparing your son for every man's battle, and I think there's also, then there's an every man's battle, and I don't actually, is there an every woman's battle too? Cool. I think there's also another, and also in this series, there's a book for women whose uh, husbands are have like cheated on them, I think pornography, things like this come into play too. Fantastic books. Um, this is the book, Hooked, New Science on How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children, wonderful. William Struthers' book, Wired for Intimacy. John Piper's article, Women Increasingly Pursue Porn. Short, sweet, to the point, like a great Piper blog post should be. On the web, there's the Covenant Eyes website. They not only have like the web filter that you can download. The web filter there is, I think, $7 a month. Triple X Churches is free, but not as good. But they both have lots of resources for parents, pastors, siblings, strugglers, the non-strugglers, all sorts of things. So there's a ton of resources there for you. Um, any questions? I'd rather talk about questions than case studies at the moment. So questions, problems, concerns, dilemmas, ideas. I'm patient, so. Yes, Michael. Yes. 
Yes. Corruption of sin. Does. I mean, we got to remember that sin is not an act. Uh, here's my here's my words for it. This best. Sin is an organic continuum. Sin is an act with ongoing, constant ramifications that um, it has constructive interference, like we learned in physics, that make it stronger and stronger. More sin leads to more sin, leads to more sin, leads to more sin. Um, and this is why the sin of Adam becomes so devastating to the world that God needs to send a flood to start over. Intervention is how the patterns of sin are ended in our lives. Um, and that is what the flood acts like. That is what the cross acts as. It is a killing of the ongoing. I mean, sin has ripple effects in your life. It is not, I have this act and it's done. I mean, it ripple effects into how your, what happens in your body and your mind and your spirit. I hope you see that from talking about your mind. It is insidious. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, Bonhoeffer wrote that one act of righteousness in a closed room benefits the whole body. And so, conversely, one act of ungodliness. You know, pornography can be conceived as this is my struggle in my basement and doesn't affect anybody. Every man struggling with pornography negatively affects literally the whole body of Christ. We are spiritually united to Christ and thus spiritually united to one another. So stick that in your individualism pipe and, pipe and smoke it, is what I would say. And just about yes. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there are eternal... There's no weight of eternal glory at stake here. There was so beautiful about that. Michael. clarify what I mean by take two verses, call me the morning. I think what happens is people come to us struggling with something. People come to us hurting. People come to us battling something. And we freak out. Our response is, go home and read these read these verses. And we never actually engage with the person. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And sometimes that's what happens. We just throw them something. And then it's like, okay, see you later. Like, be warm, be well, be fed. Yeah. There's a cost to you. Yeah, there's a cost to you. Absolutely. With the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. No. No. Bear one another's burdens. Yeah. Yes. Yep. 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 Hanging. We need to go worship together in about eight minutes. So I'm going to pray briefly, and then we are going to go. Thanks for being here today. Um, please go home and read books. Um, a note on the equip hour. Next week, no equip hour. Yes, Mark? No equip hour next week. And then on the 11th, we have um, everybody is in here, and George is going to be teaching financial stuff part two. See? Estate planning part two. And then the week after that, which I guess would be the 18th of September, uh, is we will be splitting into two tracks, uh, and we'll be actually in the other wing of the church. And one track will be lament psalms and doing an in-depth study of lament psalms for about six or eight weeks. And then the other track will continue on hot topic series. Um, at various times throughout the next semester, we will come back into this room. We're doing one on Halloween. We'll all be together and various things like that. So um, thanks for being here. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we want to speak well of you today, and we ask that um, you... We are thankful for the reminder that you have given us everything we need for, li- uh, for life and godliness, uh, that your word is sufficient, and that we... Um, what more can you say to us than you've already said? Uh, nothing. And so, Jesus, we... Um, 
are thankful. We want to live as people in submission to your word in all areas. People who read this book and live by it in diverse, uh, multifaceted, abundant ways. We, Jesus, we ask that you to prepare our hearts even in the next uh, six minutes to hear your word preached to us. We pray for Mike. Ask that, that he would speak to us the true word of God and that we would hear and respond in faith, whatever that actually looks like. Jesus, we're thankful that we get to dwell bodily in community. Mother, what a grace and blessing it is. We love you. We ask you to be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. I don't even know if I'm on right now. Oh, I am.